I want you to hit me as hard as you can. John Travolta is the guy that everybody's mom has a crush on. A genuine movie star, blessed with good looks and great talent. John was a huge star in the 70s, and his star drastically fell in the 80s. He got that Tarantino boost in the 90s, and it was pretty much up and down, up and down, up and down like a roller coaster ever since. I love this guy. Consider me a fanatic. Oh, and don't forget John Travolta's controversial beliefs with his religion known as Scientology. Scientology! So let's hop on that disco floor and pray to Lord Xenu to help us find out what the f happened to John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> Young John Travolta was an aspiring, down-on-his-luck actor with big dreams, but not a break in sight. Then he was introduced to Scientology and suddenly he was on a hit TV show. And that hit TV show was Welcome Back, Cotter. He played everybody's favorite Italian teenage goofball, Vinny Barbarino. John was so convincing that many thought he really was a big, dumb, beautiful buffoon, which for an actor is actually a great compliment. But it did make it hard for him to get other jobs outside of the world of Cotter. Nobody, not nobody had faith in this handsome doofus. Nobody except Brian De Palma, that is. John Travolta was cast as a charming yet horrible teenager in the film Carrie, based on the novel by Stephen King. John Travolta's big screen presence was immediately noticeable. Everybody thought, hey, that guy should be in more movies. And he was. He did the TV movie The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. It's the original Bubble Boy. It's not as funny. And, of course, there was the film that made John Travolta a household name. That film was Saturday Night Fever in 1977. It was more than a movie. It was a cultural phenomenon that brought disco into the mainstream. Yeah! He showed the world that he could dance and act, and he got his first Oscar nomination. And this was not just a silly dancing movie. No, 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 no. Saturday Night Fever is a gritty, coming-of-age drama that just happens to have some dancing. It is film critic Gene Siskel's favorite film of all time. Thumbs up. Hey, hey. And hey, the show, watch the show, stupid. First, it was Saturday Night that gave John a fever, and then he got chills, and they were multiplying in 1978's Grease. He showed the world that he could sing, and he helped make nostalgia for the 1950s cool. The first time I saw this film, I was very young and very confused. Not only because of all the adult content, but because I went into this thinking that Greece was a musical about ancient Greece. I was expecting togas, and I got leather jackets. Which was not disappointing, actually. I was pleasantly surprised. It was great! John earned a Golden Globe nomination. Greece has it all. It has cars, rock and roll, timeless catchy songs, unforgettable greasy characters. Classic. Classic stuff right there. This was followed by Urban Cowboy, another cultural music phenomenon. The film helped bring to life the country western music dance craze, much like Saturday Night Fever did for disco, and Greece did for rock and roll musicals. And much like Saturday Night Fever, at its core, this is a gritty coming-of-age drama that just happens to have some awesome dancing. John Travolta had created an unofficial musical juggernaut trilogy. Saturday Night Fever, Grease, Urban Cowboy, 
John was the musical leading man of our times, of those times, singing and dancing all the way into our hearts. Three films in a row that shaped our culture? Who else can say that for three years in a row, they created multiple cultural movements just by singing and dancing? That right there, John Travolta, is an unbelievable achievement. And no one, not no one, can take that away from you. In the late 70s, John was the biggest movie star in the world, and it seemed like it would stay that way forever. But eventually, the honky-tonk disco full of grease has to shut down. The 1980s were not kind to the career of John Travolta. A decade full of flops had taken down the star. There was the film Moment by Moment that did not live up to Travolta expectations, and a series of failures would follow. He was in the awful Saturday Night Fever sequel Staying Alive, directed by Sylvester Stallone for some reason, and another Olivia Newton-John team-up called Two of a Kind, and a less-than-perfect film called Perfect. Oh my god, look at that. Look at those moves. Whoa, perfect. But tucked away, hidden in between this parade of duds, was the film Blowout in 1981, directed by his buddy Brian De Palma. Blowout is arguably John's best film. It was not exactly a hit at the time, but years later this performance would catch the eye of director Quentin Tarantino. But we'll get to that later. John plays a Hollywood sound guy who may have evidence of a political assassination. Brilliant editing, both picture and sound. And this film shows us that John can lead a great film without singing or dancing. Just pure acting. Pure Travolta. And Travolta was suffering from insomnia at the time of shooting. So he used his pain for the performance. Like any good actor should. They take that hurt deep inside and pull it out and turn it into art for us to enjoy. It's kind of sadistic if you think about it. But that's Hollywood. Or Holly Weird. Blowout is a wonderful film. But unfortunately, this film was overshadowed by the other horrible films that John made in the 1980s. So let's forget about all those and just focus on Blowout. Yes, Blowout. And who cares that this is the only good movie John made in the 1980s? It's that good. So good that it can fix an entire decade. Then came Look Who's Talking, which was his first commercial success in years. He plays a taxi driver who becomes a father figure to a baby Bruce Willis. Who talks? Look, he's talking! Oh my god! But the adults can't hear him. It's a Rugrats kind of thing, but with real live babies. I actually really like this film. It's funny, it's clever, and John Travolta's playful chemistry with Kirstie Alley is... delightful. And he reminds us how he became a movie star in the first place. And then came a sequel to Look Who's Talking, called Look Who's Talking 2. T-O-O, like also, because there's another baby talking. Two. But this time, it's a baby girl. And this time, she's voiced by the soothing sounds of Roseanne Barr. The reviews were not great on this one, but if you like the first Look Who's Talking, You'll like this Look Who's Talking too. You got to fight for the right to party. The unstoppable force that is the Look Who's Talking franchise was the only thing keeping this guy afloat. Barely. So he had to do another one with Look Who's Talking Now. 
This time, the dogs are the ones talking, now. And it's a Christmas movie. John Travolta fights wolves with a Danny DeVito dog, and at the very end, spoiler alert, Santa shows up and teaches everyone the true meaning of Christmas. And you know that saying, third time's a charm? Well, not this time. Because the third installment of this film franchise was not very successful. I love this entire trilogy because I was pretty much a baby when I first saw them, and so I've got them nostalgia goggles when I watch it, so I, I can't really give an honest critique other than, YAY! It's good! But everyone else seems to hate Look Who's Talking Now because it has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And in those tomatoes, we trust. Was this the end of John Travolta? Was his career dead on arrival? Had the universe given up on our hero? No. The answer was no. And it's all thanks to a man named Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped- oh! In 1994 came the cinematic masterpiece Pulp Fiction. It was John's big comeback, one of the biggest comebacks of all time. Everyone thought that it was impossible for John Travolta to carry such a film, but he carried it. He carried the whole damn thing all the way, and it was fan-fantastic. And he looked so cool while he did it, like the coolest guy ever. John Travolta was nominated for another Oscar for his performance in Pulp Fiction. He plays the coolest junkie ever, and he gets to shoot people and talk about burgers and dance with Uma Thurman. So cool. Everybody wanted this part. Everybody wanted to play Vincent Vega. Even Daniel Day-Lewis was up for the role. That's right, Daniel Day-Lewis. And of all people, a has-been loser named John Travolta took the role and made it his own and perfected it, and now you can't imagine anyone else playing this part. He owns it. John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, that's, that's a true Hollywood underdog story right there. He was on his way out, and then suddenly, bam, back on the A-list. Vinny Barbarino was saved by Quentin Tarantino. And after the great success of Pulp Fiction, John Travolta turned to Quentin Tarantino for career advice, because he seems to know the right way to use John Travolta on screen. And Quentin suggested that next John take on the films White Man's Burden and Get Shorty. This was another huge comeback for John. He is fabulous as the character Chili Palmer, and he got another well-deserved Golden Globe nomination. He was back on top again. Everybody wanted a piece of that Travolta. And at this time, John Travolta, the action hero slash villain, was born. He worked with John Woo in the action-packed 1996 movie Broken Arrow. And John played the villain because it's more fun. And that same year brought us the films Phenomenon and Michael. In both of these movies, he plays magical, charming characters blessed with a heavenly touch. One being a man with new, mysterious, phenomenal powers in Phenomenon, and the other is an angel who dances and smokes and does other sinful things. These films did not do very well with critics, but my mom likes them, so there's that. And then John Travolta blew all of our faces off with Face Off. One of the best action films ever made of all time in the history of action films being made. He teamed up with director John Woo again 
and Travolta worked closely with his co-star Nicolas Cage to become each other. They studied each other's moves and styles, understanding how and why John Travolta and Nicolas Cage are John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Their spirits became one. It was beautiful, beautiful thing. And then they got to kill each other. These two took swapping their performances very seriously. It needed to be believable, depending on whatever your definition of believable is. But Face Off proved that John Travolta could kick butt, no matter whose face he's wearing. Now he could ask for $20 million paychecks, and that's exactly what he did for his next film. The movie was Mad City, which was not as successful as everyone had hoped. He also did the film She's So Lovely, it was alright, but he kept his winning streak up with the hilarious political comedy, Primary Colors, where he plays a sex-hungry politician from Arkansas who is not, I repeat, is not Bill Clinton. He is perfect at being not Bill Clinton, and got another Golden Globe nomination. Well deserved. John is great in this one, and it can be enjoyed by anyone from any political party. And this is not just a cheap impression. No, John really creates an in-depth, troubled, mysterious character in Primary Colors. Check it out. What? Next, he joined Terrence Malick's ensemble cast in The Thin Red Line, where every actor in this film thought that they were going to be the lead only to discover in the final edit that no one was the lead, except maybe Jesus. But it's always good to be in a Terrence Malick film, so good job, John. Then came the powerful dramas A Civil Action and The General's Daughter, which can be seen as another slight comeback in the career of Johnny Boy. But that comeback would not last very long. In the year 2000, John Travolta flew his multi-million dollar spacecraft a little too close to the sun, and it crashed and burned, and it was called Battlefield Earth. This is one of the worst, and I do mean the worst, films ever made. Look at any list of bad movies, this one is always on it. Travolta produced and starred in this bizarre mess of a movie which was based on Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard's epic sci-fi novel. It features ridiculous makeup, a stupid voice, and a lame story, and dumb action. Everything in this is horrible. It's not cool. This is one of the few times when John Travolta was not cool. This film is so bad that it single-handedly overnight ruined John's good name. What was left of it? Having John Travolta's name on your movie poster was no longer a good thing. Example, his next film, Lucky Numbers, nobody saw. Nobody in the entire world, in the entire universe, saw this movie. But people in the universe did watch Swordfish in the year 2001. I haven't seen this movie since it came out, but it was cool when I saw it in the year 2001. Then there was Domestic Disturbance, which has its moments, but audiences didn't really care for this one. And a hilarious cameo in Austin Powers' Goldmember. Hey, hey, assholes! Do I have time for a last smoke and a pancake, or what? And even though the hits were not coming in, he was still charging $20 million a movie. 
and that made many studios hold off on hiring John. This quite possibly definitely hurt his career. Because of his price, he missed out on many potential comebacks. But he was still able to get work though, like the military drama Basic and the firefighter drama Ladder 49, which did pretty well at the box office. Then John Travolta did the comic book movie thing with The Punisher. No, not that Punisher. No, not that one. No, not that one either. Yes, that Punisher. This was a Marvel movie before Marvel movies were Marvel movies. And once again, John played a bad guy because fun. Even though it was harshly and violently punished by the critics. In 2004 came the film A Love Song for Bobby Long. It was a smaller art film, and he did it because he loved the script. And he could really relate to this down-and-out character. John Travolta is very proud at bringing this complex character to life on screen. This is one of his artsy-fartsy passion projects. Not everybody loved it, but John Travolta loved it, and that's all that matters. Hashtag art. Then there was Be Cool. It was a sequel to Get Shorty, 10 years later. And he got to dance with Uma Thurman again. That was nice to see. John Travolta got to be cool in Be Cool. And he got to be a wild hog in Wild Hogs. It's one of those silly, dumb popcorn movies that every once in a while you just gotta sit down and watch. The cast had fun making this movie, and you can definitely feel it on screen. It's fun. Movies are fun. Well, they should be. And even though most of the jokes fall flat, you can still feel that they're trying, and the comedy chemistry is its still there. Wild Hogs went to number one at the box office its opening weekend. Next was his gangster film, Lonely Hearts. It was a big flop. It lost millions upon millions of box office buckaroos. Millions. It seemed like once again John's career was over and gone forever. Can't just throw things away. But then, like he always does, out of nowhere he is blessed with yet another comeback. And this comeback came in the form of the film Hairspray, a musical remake of the John Waters film. He played a female human person who struggles with weight issues. In other words, John Travolta is in drag wearing a fat suit. And it's fabulous. I really love this movie and I really love that John Travolta took the risk to do such a fun motion picture. Five hours in makeup to transform into this character, and this unique performance earned John another Golden Globe nomination. I was a movie theater projectionist, when those things still existed, during the summer that this movie came out, so I had to listen to the cheerful singing and dancing for weeks upon weeks, and you know what? I was totally fine with it. I loved watching all the people tapping their toes and bobbing their heads as they left the movie theater. A filthy, filthy movie theater. Hairspray made every audience that summer come alive, and I loved it. It's a wonderful musical about people of all colors and all weights coming together to dance on local television to stop racism forever. And they did! Right? And let us not forget the romantic chemistry between John Travolta and Christopher Walken. It will excite and confuse you. It's just a toe-tapping good time. Hairspray is fantastic, and John Travolta is fantastic in Hairspray. You could say he was divine. <laughs> then he did the Disney voice thing with Bolt, where he played an animated dog with Hannah Montana. That is totally unrealistic. 
Absolutely redonkulous. You could say that again. And of course, I want these WTF videos to be fun. But when you examine the life of a real-life human being, you find that life is not always fun. And sometimes, sad things happen. In 2009, tragedy struck the Travolta family, when John's 16-year-old son, Jet, passed away. John was lost, devastated, hopeless, and he even thought of retiring. Understandably so. But his friends, his family, and even his church inspired him to get back to work and to keep moving forward. And of course, the pain will always be there, but he has learned to keep going in the memory of his son. He was still mourning the loss of his son and did not attend the premiere of his next film, The Taking of Pelham 123. Tony Scott directed John in this remake, and once again, he plays a bad guy. Because, like I said before, it's more fun. <laughs> then there was the Disney film Old Dogs, where he teams up with Robin Williams. It was a box office failure and displays pretty much the worst of Disney movies, the worst of Robin Williams, and the worst of John Travolta. It has no heart, no soul, just like here, insert joke there. But since I enjoyed Wild Hogs so much, and since Disney Plus was just like sitting right there, I was tempted and I clicked on Old Dogs one night, and it was awful. So awful. Awfully good at times, though. Two thousand ten brought us the film from Paris with Love, another fun bad guy, but this time he's bald. Then he worked with Oliver Stone in Savages, with a nice little supporting role. And in the apocalyptic year of two thousand and twelve, we got a Grease reunion that nobody wanted. He released a horrible Olivia Newton-John Christmas duet album, and it was accompanied by pretty much the worst music video ever made. It's so bad that I can't tell if it's a parody or not. Like, is this a parody? I don't know. Like, if someone was trying to make fun of a bad music video, they still, they still couldn't make it this bad. Unhumanly bad. Impossibly bad. I think it was just shot in John's driveway. After his family was eating brunch or something. Like, hey, oh, we gotta make a music video. Here, dance in the driveway. Uh, Olivia Newton-John's coming over. Be on your best behavior. The power of Greece had worn off over the years, and the album only sold 36,000 copies. Which is nothing compared to the numbers Greece was bringing in a couple decades ago. This was followed by another stretch of stinkers with films like Killing Season, The Forger, I Am Wrath, and Life on the Line. Then he did the film Criminal Activities, which is Jackie Earl Haley's directorial debut. John at least gets to have fun in this one, and the story's quite interesting. Check it out. And he did the acclaimed Ethan Hawke western in the Valley of Violence. Tell me, how long did it take you to get your fat ass around that building? John was tossing us hints that he was gearing up for another huge comeback, and it came in the form of television, the medium that first allowed John to shine. And many say that TV is actually better cinema than actual movies nowadays. And that next comeback came when he joined the cast of American Crime Story. He was perfectly cast in this O.J. Simpson drama as Robert Shapiro. Another comeback for John, way to go! How many comebacks will life give this man? 
There are so many ups and downs in this man's career, but American Crime Story is his most recent up. And boy howdy is it way up. It's a big up. The show won a ton of Emmys and John was nominated. This show showed the world that there were still amazing roles out there for John Travolta. Roles that fit nice and snug, like a glove. And he just needs to find those roles. It's easier said than done. Then came one of the worst John Travolta missteps of his entire career. The film was called Gotti, and John Travolta played the gangster, Gotti. And I believe the real mafia was involved in making this one, but I better not say too much because I ain't no rat. But the movie Gotti was embarrassingly bad. Nominated for lots of Razzies because that's what happens when your movie sucks. And this infamous film sparked a Rotten Tomatoes scandal, leading some to believe that the tomato people have tampered with the rating system. But Gotti still rests at 0%. Yet another series of cinematic failures followed with the films Speed Kills, Trading Paint, and The Poison Rose. All zero percenters on Rotten Tomatoes, which totally tampers with the ratings. So don't believe it. This is the life. Then he did a film produced by Redbox called The Fanatic. It won Worst Actor at the Razzies, and this film is directed by Limp Bizkit's own Fred Durst. Cause that's what you do when your career is headed for a kamikaze nosedive. You team up with Limp Bizkit in the year 2020. He plays a bizarre, disturbed, mentally ill man named Moose, who's obsessed with Devon Sawa, but I mean, who isn't? And to top it all off, The Fanatic was the worst box office opening of John's entire career. This movie feels like Fred Durst just turned on the camera and said, hey, John Travolta, act crazy. And John Travolta did that. Times a billion. I would say this biscuit of a movie is very, very limp. The Fanatic is pretty much a career killer. No, actually, Gotti is the career killer, and the fanatic is pissing on the rotting corpse. <laughs> Moose is in the house. Moose is in the house. Watch out. Watch out. Here's Moosey. But it was not just horrible movies that took down the great Travolta. Many believe that his controversial beliefs could have played a part in his decline. Some people really care and judge the followers of the Church of Scientology. And others don't really care and just want to watch good movies. Which are you? Does the personal life of an actor affect how you see them on screen? Or do you just want to see John Travolta make movies? Comment your comment in the comments. I might read them one day. But Scientology always brings scandals and scandals always hurt. <laughs> John is a unique person. He has an unearthly charm, and he gives off a strange spiritual energy. And Travolta even claims to have superpowers. He says that he has the ability to control energy, space, time, and matter. Like stuff straight from Phenomenon. It's phenomenal. If it's true, and I'm gonna believe it because it makes me happy. So it's true. Well, all of the things around us are made of matter and we're living in space, and we're registering time, yeah. and the better you can control it, the better off you'll be. But John's scandals don't only come from his religion, they also come from his hands, and his lips, and his pants, allegedly. 
He has had some creepy moments involving women and their faces. Even though later Scarlett Johansson said that it was totally fine, it was just a friendly little smooch, that the camera caught the wrong moment, and in that instant it seemed more awkward than it really was. But you can't deny it, 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 looks, it looks pretty, pretty bad. And now, because of Mr. John Travolta, I will never remember how to properly say the wicked frozen lady's name. And he creepily touched her face, too. I deserve that, but you, you, my darling, my beautiful, my wickedly talented Adina Menzel. You got it! Yeah! Is that right? <laughs> but it's not just the ladies who bring John controversy. No, it's also the dudes. Massaging dudes. Two male massage therapists brought on sexual assault charges on the actor. But John and his attorneys deny the claims and call them absurd and fictional. As fictitious as John's movies, they say. And the lawsuits were eventually dropped. But win or lose the case, did it harm his career? I don't know. Or was his career already too low to even harm? The real question here is, how many massage therapists does it take to ruin John Travolta? The world may never know. For Travolta, some industry insiders say win or lose in court, the real test will be the potential damage to this megastar's reputation in a town where image is everything. Kareen Winter, CNN, Los Angeles. But even though I just said that John Travolta's career is dead, my hope for another comeback is still staying alive. I know that if John truly believes in himself, he can cook up a few more cinematic comebacks for us. John Travolta comes back every decade or so, so why give up the pattern now? We are due another legendary Travolta performance. Any day now. Stay tuned. It's coming. Right around the corner. Someday. But even if another final, final, final comeback never happens, it won't matter because John's legacy is secure. Just look at all those hits, those classics in his filmography. The bottom line is that nobody should give a f about what the f happened to John Travolta. Because he is John Travolta. He is more than a man, he's a figure, a symbol that surpasses how we perceive good or bad movies. With John Travolta, there is no such thing as a good or a bad movie. It's just a John Travolta movie. Which is always good, no matter what. A buttload of bad movies, another buttload of scandals, and a buttload of craziness slowed down John's career. But it's like slowing down a bullet. No matter what, it's gonna leave a mark. And John left plenty of marks on the movies. Thank you, John Travolta, for making all of those John Travolta movies. The good, the bad, and the gaudy. And that is what the f*** happened to John Travolta. But before I leave you, I just want to say one little thing to John Travolta. One final thing. Please, 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 John Travolta, work with Quentin Tarantino again. <laughs>